Well, I'm blessed to be here, folks, and we're looking at a text. Last week, I spoke a little bit about vengeance. If you missed it, the nice thing is it's all recorded online. You can check it out. Uh, this whole series of walking through the Sermon on the Mount is available. Um, you can find the different uh, sermons would be, I think they're on our website. Is that right, Jody? Jody's someplace in the house. Yes, they are. And they're also on YouTube. You just have to scroll through some some other stuff, all the rest of the service to find them. But the Sermon on the Mount is just a, it's a, it's a powerful exhortation to us in the ways to be like Jesus, right? In the ways to be like God. And it was an exhortation given to the Jews at the time. And like I said last week, the, the text about um, leaving vengeance to God or uh, not taking vengeance out that we spoke about last week. And then this text on loving enemies, I think, are some of the hardest uh, things Jesus said for us to apply into our lives. Very challenging. Not, uh, they don't, it doesn't feel natural to do, if that makes sense. Uh, and so we're going to dive into the, the, this bit, which is uh, verse 43 through 48 which is on loving our enemies. So let's, let's look at that together. 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That seems easy enough, right? This isn't too challenging. Uh, okay, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than anyone else? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm. That's heavy. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you for, uh, for your word. And God, I just thank you for the ways that you encourage us to be different, to live different, to love differently. So God, as we continue to just take step by step together in learning to love and be more and more like you every single day. God, keep us humble. God, give us an eagerness so that as we look at this text, rather than being overwhelmed or feeling like that's too much or, or this is a burden that I cannot bear, you're saying, I bared that burden for you. Now walk with me. So let us walk with you, God, as we pursue godliness in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, it's, it's great my, my mom and dad are here today. I put a little uh, thing in here about my mom. Sorry, dad. Um, and, uh, and so I'm glad that she's here with us today to hear it. Um, not through a television screen, and then I can look at her face and see her smile at me, because that's a reward. Um, so a clarification about love. I love food, right? Who, do, 
Does anyone else love food? And I love my mother. There's a big difference there. And if there isn't, I'm sorry, Mom. (laughs) Right? There's a big difference there. And so we're going to talk about loving enemies today. And maybe there's more similarities in how I love my enemies in loving food. I have a lot of dedication in loving food. Um, But there are differences in what love looks like in relationship. And if we break down love from a Greek perspective, there's four different variants. Now, I'm decent at typing, but I'm not that decent. So I do not have any of that here in front of me this morning because I typed this right before we led worship. So I won't be able to break down all the variants. But the form of love we're going to talk about today is agape. Agape is a love that is... It's, a, it's like a definition of love that was written around the character of Christ. It is, as, as they were determining what it looked like, they said, what did Jesus do? And so agape is this unconditional, undeserving love that we give out of a, a sure action of will. It's not necessarily about how we feel, or how that person's treated me. We talked last week about people slapping you in the face or um, taking your tunic or uh, forcing you to walk a mile. Um, And we're called to love uh, those people as well. That's not easy. And I don't have the same feelings about that person who slaps me in the face as I feel for my mother. Does that make sense? We on the same page here, folks? Excellent. Let's dig in. So we look at this first thing, and it says, he says, in, in, uh, I believe it's in, in verse 44, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then in verse 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And now, what I want to talk about here is the direct parallel. Why, why speak like this? Well, in Hebrew, there wasn't a lot of like good adjectives. So if you were a peaceful person, they would, uh, they would describe you as a, a son or daughter of peace, okay? If you're a, a generous person, they might refer to you as a son or daughter of generosity. And so when it's saying, you may be sons of your father, it's talking about being godly, being like God, godliness, And so here, Jesus is directly tying agape in a way that doesn't make sense, but is based on will and devotion beyond circumstance, that there's a direct line between that and being sons of your sons and daughters of your father or being godly. I've seen this described as having an unconquerable benevolence and goodwill for everyone, to become godly men and women. That's the, that's the peace, an unconquerable benevolence and goodwill for everyone. All right, that's a lot, so let's keep walking. So it says in uh, the second part of 45, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
I think what Jesus is doing here is he is saying, giving us a direct example of that type of love. God provides and has goodwill. God, your Father, has goodwill and provides for all. He provides rain to the just and the unjust. He, the sun rises on the evil and the good. In Psalm 145.15, it says this, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. In God, there is this universal benevolence, even toward men who have broken his law and towards those who have broken his heart. So how do we do this? Well, thankfully, he gave us step one right in this text, right? What's it say in 44? It says, love your enemies and what? Pray for those who persecute you. I was thinking about this as like uh, back, I think, I don't know how many months ago, but at some point in Glenn's life, uh, he gave a message about praying for someone that we're struggling with or at odds with, or maybe there's un, we're not reconciled with. And, uh, and he mentioned how he had prayed for a person for 30 days. Every day he's praying for this person that he's at odds with or struggling with. Um, and so I, I put that into practice into uh, my own life with a relationship and it was amazing. Um, Barclay puts it this way. When you pray, when you're bringing someone to God and you're, you're using discipline to put that goodwill into action, into your words as you're talking about this person to God. So if I'm, you know, struggling, I picked on Ben last week, so I'll pick on someone else. Wyatt's, where's Wyatt? I don't see Wyatt. I'll pick on Christian. So if I'm struggling in, in, in my relationship with Christian and he and I are at odds, for me to go to God and say, Lord, bless Christian today. Lord, let the sun shine on Christian today. Provide your rain on, on the fields of his life so that he can have a wonderful harvest. Just the action of placing yourself there makes it much harder to hate. Much harder to hate. And Jesus knew this. You know, uh, it's kind of that put your money where your mouth is, right? We can talk a lot about loving people. We can talk a lot about uh, uh, love in action, this, that, and the other thing. And we do. But are we then putting feet to it? And that starts with prayer. Because we can't know exactly how to do this well. You want to know why? It's not in our human nature. But through God, through His grace, through His mercy, through His Spirit, and His love, which is beyond anything we can comprehend or imagine, we can. And so, step one, we pray. Step one, we pray, and we listen. And then we do, not because it's deserved. It's easy to look at, at somebody and say, man, this guy's a, a scuzz bucket you know, or some other creative list of words that you have going on in your filthy mind. That was a joke. <laughs> right? It's terrible. I hate this person. But when we put action into it and then we think about ways that we can bless somebody, then it 
it changes us, right? It's like forgiveness. The difference is it's harder, okay? It's easy for me, at least, you know, maybe it's not easy for everyone, but for me, it's very easy to just be like, I forgive this person, I'm moving on. But then to like really love them and then pursue that love like someone in your family you really care about, to pursue that goodwill for them despite not earning it, that is really hard. And it takes God's spirit. So let's be leaning into that. God then gives us, Jesus gives us some examples here. Um, For if you love those who love you, what's any different about you than anyone else? Right? Doesn't everybody do that? If you greet only your brother, is that a shock? Is that salt and light? Is that different? And then comes this verse. This is where we're going to dive in next because this is interesting. You therefore must be perfect. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love it. We got a big sigh of like, oh, that's that's that is perfect. Okay, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What the word that's used in this description of perfection, I'm going to mispronounce this, but just like last week, I don't think anyone but John probably knows. Uh, Telios. How'd I do, John? Great. Oh, lovely. (laughs) So that's the word that is used in describing this concept of perfection, being perfect. And when we look at this word, it's this concept of fulfilling one's purpose. The noun is telos, which means an end, a purpose, an aim, a goal. And as I was thinking about this, I picked on Martin last week, but he's the first one that came to mind this morning, so I'm picking on him again. When I think about this, it's like Martin with chemistry, okay? He is, he would, he would fit this descriptor, this uh, teleos in chemistry. We'll just say it. He's shaking his head no. I'm shaking my head yes. Believe me, I'm on stage. (laughs) So, whereas like if I'm diving into chemistry and looking at my tables and maybe even I've gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, I know where zinc is or something like that. You know, I think that's on there. I'm not teleos. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm maturing. And, and we're always doing that throughout all of our life. But it's God creates us for a purpose. Amen? And it's unique. Amen? We have a culture that really, really wants to find their identity, their purpose, their uniqueness. Well, I have an answer. God made you. You are unique. And you have a purpose. So, uh, the other analogy that I, I think of with this concept of being made for a purpose, functionality, I, I, Wyatt and, and, uh, and Chad can appreciate this, and I, meant, and I talked about this in men's prayer, is this concept of if you have a, a loose screw someplace in your house, not in your head, in your house, come on, <laughs> stay with me. 
right? You got a loose screw. If you got a loose screw in your head, you got to go see somebody else, right? Screwdriver's not going to help. But you got a loose screw in your house, and you need a screwdriver, okay? And when you have a screwdriver, the screwdriver, you, you go to, you know, uh, to Ace Hardware because we shop local, right? And, and you buy a screwdriver. And it fits perfectly in your hand. It's comfortable. It's like it was made to do that. And then when you go to the Phillips head in, 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 the, uh, in the, the framing of your door that's loose and causing the door to like hang kind of weird, and you, you stick the screwdriver in the screw, guess what? It fits it perfectly. Lord willing. <laughs> fits perfectly. It was made for it. And then you turn the screw, and, and it goes into the wood again, Lord willing, and everything works out. Well, that screwdriver fulfilled its, perfect, its purpose. It was perfect. That's the type of perfection we're talking about here. God made you for a purpose. You'll be growing in that your entire life. You'll be learning new things. Maybe we learned some new things today, Lord willing, maybe not but that's okay. We'll learn something tomorrow, probably, or not, but <laughs> I can't control that. That's up to you. Um, so he's crafting you. He's molding you. He's building you. He's the potter. He is forming you into something for a purpose. In Genesis 1.26, it says this, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We were created to be like God, right? We talked about this earlier in this text, sons of the Father, to be godly, to be godlike, to love that way, to pursue love in that manner. It's not a mystery why we were created. We have the answer here in Scripture, why we were created, and we were made with a purpose. So together, as we move forward, let me invite the worship team up. As we go forward today, maybe we pray and discuss the text with our friends at the tables after. Maybe we go out and have lunch with friends. But today, as we go, let us be thinking about how we can be universally benevolent, have universal benevolence, unconquerable goodwill, and constantly be seeking the highest good for every man and woman. All right. Now I'll move over here, put my guitar on, and we'll sing a worship song together. <laughs>